Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Time for? It's time to light the incense. It's time to chant the rites. <laughs> it's time to summon demons on the Muppet Show tonight. Bum, bum, bum. It's time to call the void in. It's time to banish light. It's time to raise existence on the Muppet Show tonight. Why do we summon old ones? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. <laughs> but now let's get things started. Why don't you get things started? It's time to get things started on the most demonational, incantational, aberrational, mopitational. This is what they call the Muppet Show! We just sung. What did you just say? Who wrote that? <laughs> Music goes here. Music goes here. <laughs> Alrighty. Welcome around the virtual campfire for a very special fifth guest in which you get triple hosts. Triple hosts. Triple host. You get the lovely Kate on that side of the campfire. Hello. You get me on this side of the campfire with my cold. Yes. Now we did. We did gently suggest to it that it might want to to, to let us do the recording, you know, un uninterfered with. Yeah, lovely listeners, welcome to Frithcast 164. I am two-thirds of your hosting team this evening. <laughs> I am Suzanne Martin, and together with my cold, we are, we are a heathen with a head full of goo. <laughs> I'm, I'm Kate. I'm not a heathen, and I have a head full of nothing of any great value whatsoever. You don't have a cold. I do not have a cold. Yet. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Yes, for the moment I'm for the moment I'm spared, but we shall see. So welcome to episode one six four. Settle in, not too close to me right now because goo mm -hmm. warm your knees, grab a hot drink of choice which right now includes cold remedies. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, let's get going. I'm gonna let you do most of the talking because the cold is mostly gumming up all my brain thoughts. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, so it makes sense then to give the talking to somebody who generally doesn't have brain thoughts. So this evening, um, because we're relying on, on, on me doing a lot of the talking, and one thing I always enjoy talking about is, is the TV shows I've been watching, which vary from Star Wars to Star Trek to more Star Wars. Still good. Because there's a lot of Star Wars. There is. 
uh, a hint of Star Trek, and yeah. occasionally some Doctor Who, before we go back to Star Wars. Mm, However, Star Wars. I don't want to give the impression that I'm completely one note. I do occasionally do. We venture out into um, other realms than plain old science fiction. Not the zenning plane about Star Wars or Star Trek or Doctor Who. But as of recently, over the last few couple of weeks, few evenings when we've had an evening spare, we've been sitting down and watching some episodes of a TV show. Now, it's a couple of years old, I believe. Yeah, um, so- we should end up dropping no spoilers here. We well, we are <laughs> going to talk about the show. Um, yeah. We have, however, only seen the first four episodes. Yeah, I think four or five. I think. Um, so it might seem a strange time for us to get uh, settled down here and start talking about it. Um, and I know this is something that we don't normally we don't normally do so so explicitly. I mean, not that it's going to be explicit. I'm not saying like explicit lyrics. No advisory or anything like that well i mean you get an advisory anyway because it's us and well, this... you kind of know that we'll go anywhere and everywhere with the conversations and there is rabbit this... hole advisory this is very true yeah so the rabbit hole advisory does hold um also as you say um we're we're hoping that after the the show being a couple of years old we're hoping that we won't necessarily spoiler it but in the event that you haven't seen it um the program that we're going to be discussing a little bit is called ragnarok um, so it's kind of in with the whole sort of Norse theme that we often have for our um, podcast effort. Yes. Um, it's a bit like, you know, Ready, Steady, Cook with Titus Andronicus. Yes. So, yes, Ragnarok is a Norwegian production, and I should be able to tell you who the producers were, the studios, the the director, the writers, the screenwriters... And all that, but I can't, um, because I'm winging it. Um, so, but it's an it's quite been quite an interesting sort of take so far on the myth cycle sort of themes. Yes, and characters um, in some cases. And characters, yeah. Um, it essentially starts with a. I mean, I'm not going to go all through all like four episodes and and do your plot summary. That's that's not really the point. Um, but starts with a single mother <clears throat> returning with her two sons to a town they used to live in. Mm-hmm. They're now coming back to. Yes, this is right. It's a town in Norway called Edda, which is a word you may be familiar with. Uh, it being of some significance in the study of Norse mythology yes. and culture. Yeah. Um, the town of Edda does not actually exist in real life. Um, and it is filmed in a in and around a town uh, with the massively different name of Odda, uh, which is in Norway, uh, which is, you know, you can see that's that's kind of like the town version of Clark Kent putting his glasses on. It is. It's like, well, it's not, you know, we'll we'll just no nobody will suspect. <laughs> so, yes, as you say, single mother, two sons, um, Magna and... Loritz, Loritz. other sons, Uh, except now I feel really bad because I can't think of her name, (laughs) which is an indictment upon me. Okay, single mother and her two sons uh, come to the town, um, or return to the town, and they go off to school. Um, They're about, what are they, 16? Something like that. Give or take, yeah. Um, 
And the premise of the show is that something strange happens to 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 uh, one of the sons, Magna, mm. who um, meets uh, a, a, an elderly couple outside the local grocery store. Yes, their first meeting did make me giggle a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. one of the elderly couple is a is a is a gentleman um, in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is wearing an eye patch? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure you know. I mean, th- there are lots of people with eye patches. It, it doesn't there have are. to be significant. <clears throat> yeah, it does. It does. And Except... all I could hear was the little cinema sins bell going off every time <laughs> I I saw something or I recognised a theme, or a character or an imagery. I was just I've been sat through the last four episodes or so just giggling. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are so many little images and in jokes yes. that I really love. It is. Um, <clears throat> as he uh, Magna talks to these two, this this couple, and is it? The, I think the, the 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 lady, isn't it? The the woman reaches out and sort of just like strokes him on the forehead or something. Yeah. And uh, and from that point on. He gets to the, the the house they're going to be living at, and everything's fine. And he goes to the school, starts making friends and not so friends. Yeah. Um. And just generally doing his sixteen-year-old lad in Norway thing, along with his brother, who's a little bit more, how shall I say, um, controversial. He's a little bit more controversial. He's he's a, he's a lad who doesn't mind expressing himself. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh. Whereas <laughs> Magne is is more the sort of your sort of, I don't want to say strong, silent type. But it turns out he is quite strong. He literally is a strong, silent type. Yeah, and um, as time passes and things happen and there are events, and they st- Magnus starts to realise that actually he is oddly strong. And he notices that despite having had to wear glasses for quite a lot of his life, he's now finding that he can see better without them. Yep. And all sorts of odd things start happening, including at one point um, he his... What is it? His grandfather left a lump hammer behind or a, his grandfather's a tools yeah yeah um and at one point magna gets very uh, annoyed and stressed up about something and picks this hammer up and throws it yes and it goes something like a, a kilometer and a half or something doesn't it? <laughs> like half a kilometer um so you gradually well quite quickly actually you get the idea that especially if you know something about the mythology to begin with you get the idea that you kind of recognise who these characters are mm. are unfolding to be uh, or to represent. Loritz is... He does have an awful lot of the Tom Hiddleston about him. Um, yeah, but he's, yes, I can see that. But he's also making uh, Magna's brother, uh, who, who he plays, in, into, into quite a distinctive character of his own. He's, mm. he's, quite, um, he's, he's, quite, he's quite fun. Um and it, it, as the story sort of sort of develops, we find that uh, uh, Magna gets involved with a woman, a young woman who's very into the whole ecological cause, and um, you know she's very sort of environmentally conscious, and she's particularly concerned with a local factory which is run by a very rich family in the area, and they are. Uh, she believes that the, the the factory is putting out a, a, an unreasonable amount of pollution and causing damage to the environment. Locally, it's poisoning the water. It's mm. you know there's there's lots of contaminants in the water and that kind of thing. 
uh, and she's sort of made it her mission to try to expose this and um, uh, you know have get something done about it uh, so she's made uh, a, she's, she ends up in a, in a very um, uh, frosty relationship with these this local family as the sort of story goes on we start to to, to discover and this is where the spoilers really start yep um, as the story goes on we discover that the the local family are not entirely human uh, the, the rich not, the rich people it's done in the most unnerving way I think mm. it's it's not so much outright physical violence it's something much much more subtle yeah and I really I like the way that you slowly start seeing layers and layers and layers of things that are going on underneath. Yeah. Now I have to say, and and I want to I want to to, to sort of preface <clears throat> this with please don't kill me, um, but I have to say that I did get something of a Twilight vibe off this. Ouch. I know, but bear with me because um, it is actually still a really good TV show, um, and the parallel is only that. You have this family who are very uh, capable of doing, you know, remarkable things. And they're sort of, uh, this is the rich family, by the way. Mm. Um, and they are um, clearly not human. They have uh, arrangements between themselves that, that resemble a sort of a greater politics Yes. You know, in how they do things and longer, longer term politics. Yeah, and yeah. you and you you get to you get to understand after a time that although they give the impression of being, you know, adult, uh, mother, father, son, and uh, and 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 um, six, again, sixteen year old or thereabouts, appearing son and daughter, they are actually their ages are not visibly clear. Um, there's some question as to whether the kids are actually the older ones. Mm. Um, and uh, when you see them, uh, when they finally reveal to the audience that they are something other than human, you and they, the way they're talking to each other is um, very much a, a relationship of relative equals. Yeah, a very um, different dynamic. Yes, yeah. Uh, whereas when they are presenting themselves to the public, of course, it is they go with how they <clears throat> appear. Mm. Um, how they physically appear. So um, it is. It is very interesting as we we still haven't learned exactly what they are. Um, although there is, as the show is now making more explicit connections between the characters and the 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 the, the old mythology, mm. um, we have heard them referred to as giants a couple of times, or at least heard that that link yeah. between them. And it's it's. It seems at this point in, as I say, after episode four, um, it seems that it's setting itself up for a confrontation, certainly between Magna, who is the Thor figure, yeah, and the giants, who are the family. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Yes. It is in Norwegian. <laughs> this is probably I should something I should have mentioned right at the start. Um, it is in Norwegian and subtitled. Which yes, some people go for that. Some people not so much. Some people prefer dubbing. I honestly prefer subtitles, generally speaking, because I usually watch TV with subtitles on anyway, um, just because it makes things clearer for me. And when I've watched shows with dubbing, I get distracted by the odd, like the odd acoustics, mm. you know, 
because it's like we watched one a little while ago. We started watching a, a, a show and it was, um, I think it was a Swedish one. And it, it was a perfectly fine show. But I was, I was, I kept getting distracted by the fact that the people, there were people talking in like outside areas, but you could hear echo like they're in a room mm. and stuff like that. And it was, it was just a bit odd. It didn't, it didn't quite sound right. No. I think for me with them having a Norwegian production and setting it in Norway is that you get the very, very dry, very pithy Norwegian humour mm-hmm. and you get bucket loads of it, which oh, yeah. makes me a very, very happy person. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it's It certainly has a, a, a fantastic um, humour running through it. The, the humour is very, very dark yep. and very, very dry and I do very, very like it. It is... It's fair to say it has a. It's had a few sort of fairly adult sort of scenes. It's not. Yeah. Not not that adult, but you know, there's there's definite um, there's definite moments in it where it's 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 like okay, we're not watching a kids show. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, the humor is the humor is good, and a lot of it comes from Lawrence, who is Magna's brother. Yes. And he is apparently being set up to be the 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 sort of Loki character or the Loki analog. Yes. Um, you know, to what extent they are ultimately going to end up being the people they appear to be aligning with, I don't know. No, I and, don't either. Four that, episodes in people, yeah. no spoilers, please. <laughs> so I think I like it because yes, it's the mythology, but it's in a way we haven't seen before, and that gives me an opportunity to not only enjoy the mythology that I'm seeing but also then remember the stories that it's based on and the two of those form a chord. Yes. So you kind of hear, you see, you know, you you play two notes, but you hear multiple notes. Yeah. And you get those little echoes and parallels going through it. And it's a bit like the, the Kennings that the Anglo-Saxons and the Vikings are so very fond of. Mm. This kind of talking in memes. Yes, I guess. That you yeah. have to be inside the culture to understand the meme. And that meme alludes to at least two different things yeah. in its either visual presentation or in the words that it uses. There is something about it that means you have to be within that culture to understand it and affirm your belonging within that group. Yeah. So I think for me, seeing a series that is, A, is titled Ragnarok, and in the very first lesson that they go into in their new school the teacher is talking about Ragnarok and writes it up on the board in big letters. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's my dark humour right there. You're going you're gonna to name your TV show after a world-ending disaster. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't know... Um, we, do, we don't know where it's going. Um, At the moment, no. It may be that uh, it will portray a... Um, th- there is clearly going to come some sort of confrontation because stories are conflict. Yes, um, they can only be, yeah they, yeah, they have to be some kind of conflict, whether it's open or subtle. Yeah, This is not making it, it's not making it very subtle in one respect, but there's a lots of little subtleties about things that are going on. It's been quite interesting in that um, at about the, f- the fourth episode, Mark, I think, I think it was, yeah, I think the, the last one that we watched, I don't think we've got much further than the sort of the sort of basic reveal. Yeah. Um, 
where one of the the the, the old lady character for, I say old lady she's not old but you know she's she's obviously being she's being presented as a sort of um I don't know how to describe her she's she's the 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 wise the wise woman kind of yeah. kind of figure you know she's she's obviously somebody you know you can you can sort of point fingers at the, at the mythology as to who you think she's oh yeah supposed to be um but again we're we're kind of assuming a lot of these associations um but the the association with thor is being made quite explicit now for magni and she in the in the last episode that we watched she essentially he goes he he's talking to her in in the shop that she runs um and he says something about he's gotten really strong or, or or whatever it is he 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 says or he says what's you know what's happening to me because he mm. he clearly has the idea that she knows something and she basically just turns around and says well yeah you're thor um more or less i yes. mean it's not quite that in your face but she's a lot more sort of direct yeah and the the, the episodes prior to that have they've been hinting and they've been doing it quite well. They've been sort of building up, building up, and building up this 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 sort of association and strengthening it. Um, whereas she essentially, they've obviously got the story to the point now where they just want to go. Okay, we've done that bit now. We've mm. done the we've done the building up. Let's just start hitting them with it. Yeah. So you know, she's now gone. Oh yeah, well I know all sorts of stuff about. Oh, he'd seen. He'd looked in a mirror, and yes. seen a different face looking back at him, like this bearded face with tattoos and. Um, and and he, so he told her about this, and she, and she said, "Oh well, yeah, that's that's you know, you are who you are. You're not, you know, you're not the kid that you think you are." Um, and there's clearly there's there's references made mostly by the rich family, the, for want of a better word, giants. Yeah. Inverted commas. Um. Yotnar, I guess I don't know. They haven't ever been they haven't been called that, but, you know, I don't know what. Because um, I know we've talked before in previous episodes of what giants actually were. Yes. You know, and and did it mean big people or did it mean like voracious eaters or whatever? And there's references to that in, yeah, the the, the show as well. But they talk between themselves about this um, uh, battle that's actually happened in the past, and they're making they're making references to well, you remember what happened in the great battle. Yes. And at one point, one of them confronts Magna and a couple of times they've sort of said to him you know they've spoken to him in Norse not Norwegian but Norse yeah and said do you understand me do you understand the old tongue and finally he goes yes I understand you yeah uh and he realizes that he does things about even about himself that he doesn't really he doesn't really know but they start they make references to this battle that has happened in the past and one of them says to Magna do you remember the battle? Or words to that effect. Um, implying that it's all sort of... Everything has happened before. All of this has happened before. And all of this, and will, all of happen this will happen again. Yeah, and I like thinking about that account that we have of Ragnarok, not the TV show, but the other one, mm-hmm. where it is uh, you know, preceded by three years of winter. The Fimble winter. And then will come... And you list all the signs of the things that will happen in the exact order mm. that the gods will die. Yeah. And precisely what happens down to the number of steps that Thor takes after he's been poisoned and killed the world serpent. Mm-hmm. 
the serpent dies, he takes nine steps from that point of battle and then he dies. Of course. Of course it has to be nine. Nine. Duh. Of course nine. <laughs> so that account of the Ragnarok, very, very specific. And then you've got this kind of odd verse on the end saying, well, don't worry, because the land out of the sea will come the land again and the eagle and there'll be gods there and it will, it'll be fine. It'll all start again. Yeah. So it kind of got us thinking, watching the setup for this show, watching the beginning of this show, this kind of world ending, all of this has happened before and all of it will happen again. Mm. And thinking about time as cyclical, not linear. Yeah. Or spiralical, what's the word? Heliacal. Heliacal and not linear, with even with branches on it, not linear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, Marvel TV series Loki. <laughs> no, it's... <sighs> no, I... Timelines with branches on it, but the other thing... Yeah, I mean, the, the idea that um, basically if time is... I mean, I know we've, we've talked about this before, and, I, and it's something I can talk about for, 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 you know, endlessly if I'm given the chance. So I'm not going to give myself the chance. I am just going to say, if time is a, is a, is a loop then by definition nothing can change. Everything happens the same every loop round and as far as the people experiencing the loop are concerned it only happens the once. Yes, kind of like Groundhog Day but not. Yeah. Yeah. Now Groundhog Day was <clears throat> different because things were changing each time he went round. But would reset. It would reset but then he would do different things. Yes. So... Also, the um, Star Trek episode with the USS Bozeman, where the Enterprise gets surprised by an anomaly and a starship comes flying out of it and smashes yes. into one of their warp nacelles and blows them up. Yeah. And then it resets and they do it all again. Yes. And gradually, as time goes on, as in Groundhog Day, things change. The loop's different each time. And until there's a point at which the right thing happens to break the cycle. So you in, get to the point of paradigm shift. Yeah. So yeah. in Groundhog Day, he manages to do everything right and he breaks the... I think I think there's like... Isn't the deleted scenes or something? It's not actually in the explicitly in the film as to why the loop happens to him, but in the either in the original script or in the deleted scenes or something, there's something about it being a curse. I don't know. And he breaks the curse by meeting a certain set of conditions. Like he's... I don't know, he's nice to that to the woman or, or, or whatever in Star Trek they figure out what's happening and they manage to get a message send a message a simple message from one loop to the next yes and there's a thought that enables them to take last second avoiding action and yeah. the collision doesn't happen <coughs> and they don't reset and go back to the beginning and they get out of the loop and you, but, get, you get to your paradigm shift yeah yeah I've been calling them loops but they're not actually Heliacal. Yeah, it's not a repeating time loop. It's it's changing each time, which means it's actually you're actually going round a helix rather than it's so it's a similar loop. It's a similar a curve. Yeah. But it's not the same curve. The large events you can see repeat, but not quite in the same way every time. Yeah. Similar theme in Battlestar Galactica. Yes. You know, by at, at the end they're saying, well, the the, the two angel figures as the fans tend to call them 
the two angel figures, uh, Six and Baltar, are, are, are sort of walking through the streets and they're saying to each other, you know, it's happened thousands of times. Maybe it'll happen again. And they're saying, yeah, but maybe this time it won't. Mm. Because it changes each time. It's not always exactly the same. The same, the same character archetypes are there. Yes. But not necessarily the same people. And not necessarily doing the same things. Or the same order. So that kind of brings me back to Ragnarok, the TV show. Yeah. Of seeing Ragnarok play out as an environmental disaster. Yeah. Or an environmental catastrophe rather than... I mean, for the original sort of northern European peoples, for the Vikings, battle was the most catastrophic thing they knew of. Yeah. That was the most... Winter and battle. Yeah. And you have both of them. Mm. Three years of winter followed by the end battle. Yeah. That is the the worst thing that they know is that that's horrific. And fire. And fire, which you get. Yeah. You know, so you have, you know, gods facing a battlefield without swords. You have gods going onto the battlefield and probably knowing they're going to die. Yeah. You have the most horrific, horrendous things. Yeah. Within their worldview, those are the most horrific things they could think of. They they didn't think of a mushroom cloud. No. Or a nuclear bomb or an EMP going off and doing whatever. Wiping out everything, technology. Yeah. Because that was not their world. Mm. But for us, would we imagine the Ragnarok... You know, is today's Ragnarok an environmental disaster? Is it climate change? Is it political instability across the globe? What are our biggest fears of humanity? And that, you know, thinking about humanity's biggest fears is what comes out in our films and TV shows. Absolutely, yeah. You know, things like the original Godzilla. Yes, that happened after the... Was it the Lucky, Dra Lucky Dragon it was called? The ship... Yeah. That got um, oddly enough, it, I don't believe it was the actual nuclear bombings that did it because they were they were sort of they weren't in a position to be making films like that. No. Immediately after that happened, but it was a it was a test. It was a nuclear test that dropped fallout onto a ship, a Japanese fishing ship, I believe, mm. and that started people thinking about radiation and 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 this is where the the whole Godzilla thing came from you know we 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 playing with these powers that you know man, really mankind understand. was not supposed to and it's not the first with. time we've done that as mankind if you go no. back to the i'm thinking of like the UK Victorian era when we get novels like Frankenstein mm, yes and we get novels like Dracula where we start you know prodding things with a stick that it's best not to prod with a stick yeah we get these kind of cautionary tales. So Ragnarok being on the television a few years ago, that kind of becomes part of that cycle of, of worries of mm. climate change, industrialization, commercialization of resources. As you say, we've always used we've always used T V and film to <clears throat> express those fears and explore those fears. Yeah. But what I think what interested me about the the the, the Ragnarok T V show and one of the reasons I I, I sort of uh, I was kind of asking if we could talk about it uh, on here, um, not just because I'm, I'm 
you know, as I said, we're not in the habit of, of, of sort of saying, oh, here's a great TV show, go watch it. It's because it of the things it made me think sort of further on from that, even four episodes in, even without knowing where the series is ultimately going to go. Um, <clears throat> I'm still sort of starting to think, well, you've immediately got, within the first episode, you've got this scenario of the, the, the young girl who's trying to, uh, the, the young woman, I should say, who's trying to recruit... Or who's trying to not recruit exactly, but she's trying to encourage Magna to see things the way she's mm. seeing them. She sees the, the the rich family, the factory owners, as 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 you know her adversaries of a, of, a, of, a, of a sort. And it started me thinking: What if, as you say, the the biggest fear, or one of the biggest fears back then, was battle, was conflict, was yeah. you know everybody has to go out onto the battlefield and people are going to die, and you know. Um, Whereas the conflict so far in this show appears to be primarily political, even at a fairly low level, it's all sort of fairly localized to this town mm. at the moment. But it it makes me wonder whether when we talk about the the final battle, and lots of faiths and traditions have this eschatological theme of a ultimate conflict. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean the Christians have Armageddon, of course. Yes, and it makes me wonder whether. This time around the loop, as it were, mm. on this loop of the helix, you know, is the battle a political one? Yeah. Is it going to be fought not on, I mean, you know, this is, I'm not, I don't want to be insensitive to the fact that we are in a period of quite substantial actual conflicts at the moment, um, and I'm not trying to diminish that in any way. Um, it's more about sort of, you know, the representations of different character archetypes appearing with different people playing them. I know these are TV characters that we're talking about, but it's interesting to see, okay, well, maybe Thor does reappear as a as a school kid, mm. you know. Maybe the battle is one that is played out on social media, on in, in, in parliaments, yeah. in lawmaking, in... Reg corporate regulation in, you know, environmental uh, controls and protections and all this sort of thing. You know, you've got basically this this element, not necessarily individual people, but this element of society that is essentially trying to wreck things for profit. And an element of society which is trying to counterbalance that overreach. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's very much sent my gooey head thoughts spinning off in different <laughs> directions about what what form a Ragnarok would take for us mm. in this society and this culture it may not be a physical battle mm. I mean winter for the Vikings is very long it's devastating in the fact that it it, it exists anyway mm. You know, Northern Europe has massively long, massively cold winters. But to have a winter lasting three years is, is absolutely extreme. Yeah. So for us, is there an equivalent? What's the equivalent to that? Is it that we fight, uh, you know, we have a battleground drawn on social media, in law courts, in regulation of corporations? Mm hmm in yeah in putting together environmental protections yeah and 
you know, looking at enforcing those. And that brings a whole new view to the Eddas, the the sagas, the the cycle of the Ragnarok. Mm. It also um, challenges ideas about the virtues that a society might be looking for. Back then, the understanding was that if you died in battle, that's your big thing. That was a great heroic thing. I mean, you know, that's what that's what our you know the the sort of stock image of the quotes Viking. Yeah. You know, uh, out there doing the thing, wanting to get to Valhalla, and all that sort of thing, which is where you go if you if you die heroically on the battlefield. <coughs> yeah. But. But if our battlefield changes, if the battlefield changes and the and the and the perception of the virtue changes, I'm not saying you still can't have people do heroic things and you know, in 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 conflicts and what have you. But but I'm just wondering, what if the 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 perception of of the the ideal changes? I mean, this is mythology has always taught us what is the ideal for our society. It's, it's Yay, Greeks. Yes, it's one of the things that it's for. I mean, it, Perseus is not supposed to be a person you can be. No. But he's a person you're supposed to emulate. He's suppo- you're supposed to aspire to him. Yeah. No, you're going to fall short because you're a human. Yeah. But you're supposed to aspire to his nobility, his intellect, his wisdom. Exactly. His skills. Yeah. And... That's what mythology does, and it's and it's you know there's a the argument I've I've often had with uh, with people online when they've been they've been sort of they've been presenting you know questions of faith, religion, mythology, whatever you want to, and they've been basically saying you know it's either the truth, in which case it's a literal historical truth that we can test and look at with a microscope, or it's a lie because yeah. it's not true. No, and it's like well, <clears throat> mythology is neither of those. No, and it's both. It's it's not truth, but it contains truth. Truth is subjective. Yeah, it's it contains the the lessons that we are supposed to learn as members of the society that we're yeah. in, or that that, that gave these, rise to these that. These are the values that we value. Yeah, and these are the kinds of actions and thoughts and deeds that we aspire to do in our own lives. Mm. But what yeah, if if the value changes and the battlefield changes? Where is our focus? Yeah. What if the virtue, <laughs> the key virtue, is not dying heroically on the battlefield, but it's being like an environmental lawyer or something? Yeah. I mean, which sounds which sounds crazy because we're used to slagging off lawyers well. <laughs> in in you know the fictitious the fiction trope, isn't it? Is 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 about uh, like conjures up Devil's Advocate and Al Pacino and all that kind of thing. Um, good film, by the way. That monologue at the end is just flawless. But yeah, what what if it is if it is about fighting a political battle instead? Does that necessarily change the the virtue? Does it change how the because what could be more glorious for a a, a society that values um, a heroic death in battle than for all the gods to face a heroic death in battle. But what yeah. if the society changes its idea of what that ultimate virtue is? Do, what does that do to how do the gods then end up? Yeah. At the as as <laughs> uh, at the end of Ragnarok then or or Armageddon then or whatever the, the yeah. whatever the confrontation what battles might be. do they choose to fight and what battles do we choose to fight yeah how does that how does that heroism 
that sort of fated uh, F-A-T-E-D or F-E-T-E-D if you like that fated glory yeah. of their being you know heroically defeated how does that manifest itself if that virtue has changed to match a society that doesn't work in quite that way anymore yeah and how does that leave you you know with the with the the, the sort of the sort of expectations of you know is Valhalla the same place as it used to be is there still shields around the walls and you know the the, the daily getting murdered practice daily get the... murdered practice. well that's what it would be for me <laughs> If somehow, by some <coughs> admin error, I ended up in Valhalla, it's not going to happen. No, I know, but that's okay. I'm not going there either. That that's is exactly right. what it would be. It would, I'd be I'd be trooping outside the, the the walls every day, getting murdered repeatedly. Yeah. Then going back indoors, and then coming out and do it all again for the following day. But if our virtue comes to preserve life, mm. in whatever form that takes, whether it's people life and we specialize and we become an uh, an emt or we become a, a nurse or a doctor or we look at helping people in mental health crisis mm. we become a surgeon we are you know the world's foremost plow injury person i don't know but <laughs> oh, words gooey heads just somebody uh, hey somebody's gotta do it yeah if our duty and our focus comes to not destroying life but preserving it Mm. in whatever we choose to do with that do we look at social justice do we look at environmental protections do we look at intergenerational trauma Mm. do we look at ways to preserve and protect life Mm. in whatever form that takes and how that then affects you know thinking about how the gods are psycho-reactive Yes. Do they react to the way we are or do we react to the way they are? Who is the reflection of who? <clears throat> because if we are both the reflection and the reflected, then the way we are living our society now and our values, our social values, our culture, is affecting who those gods are and what they value and their culture. What are their, you know, what are the aspirations they are showing us? that we can aspire to in mm. our current culture. We have the same questions arise with the Fae. Yes. Assuming that you, you consider them to be separate from divinity. Yeah. Um, but the same, the same questions arise there because you have, you know, the mythologies throughout history have told us of the other world that the Fae live in and they will occasionally come into our world and, and, and mess about with us poke us and prod us and do stupid things and abduct us and experiment on us and then put us back Mm. probably in the wrong place or at the wrong time or both and they do all this stuff but they this this idea of this alternative realm that they inhabit is very clear through a lot of mythologies and you sort of you sort of end up finding that same question are we an extension or a reflection of that other world or is that the reflection of us we clearly we clearly inter interdependent <clears throat> there is there is clearly a symbiotic relationship mm. but to what extent one can exist without the other yeah yeah that's some deep thoughts i might lead like need more cold remedy before i go there <laughs> to be honest well we can arrange that for you i'm sure lovely listeners we're going to leave you with the deep thoughts yeah, we've been a little bit grim. 
this time. I appreciate we've touched on some fairly sort of unfunny subjects and grimace. I apologise, grimace. Yes. Um, Wait, what's that thing? Grimcore. Grimcore. It's like cottagecore only grimmer. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. I I'll go for that. You just made that one up. Did you? Yeah. Well, now you haven't. Now it's real. It's out on the internet. <coughs> it's a real thing. Yeah. We encourage everyone to to adopt the Grimcore subculture. No, no, we don't. Do we not? No. Okay. We're in for the biscuits and campfire culture. Biscuit core. Biscuit core. Yeah. Apple core. No, that's been done. Yeah. Um, marshmallow core. Crow core. Crow core. Core. Core dog. Yeah, you see, you get it. Um. So yes. Anyway, that's basically it. I've had far too long to just rant about a TV show I quite kind of like. Let us know what you think. Have a biscuit. Um, warm, we've done warm your knees, haven't we? Yeah, we did that at the beginning. Right. Uh, next week. Not next week. We won't be doing anything because we don't do it every week. We don't. We do it every couple of weeks, don't we? We do. Right. Next. First on the 15th. Okay. Next episode. Better. Will be the Calends, approximately. We might, depending on whether we, we, we remember to or not, we might try to be a little bit more lighthearted. Come and join us then. Uh, if you want to find us online, um, you can find Suzanne. I'm going to do this bit for her because I'm just conscious that, you know, the, the, the cold and everything. Um, you can find Suzanne on Facebook as Suzanne Martin. Uh, on Twitter. Are you still on Twitter? X? Whatever. Whatever it is this week. Uh, at Geetha in Jeans. And you have a blog at geetherinjeans.home.blog. You can find me on Facebook as Kate Coldwind, for tis I. Um, and if you come and join us uh, on Facebook, you can do a quick search on Frithcast Pod, and that'll take you out to our little page on there. There's a link to the virtual, virtual campfire on Discord. Please come and join us. We love to talk to you. And we will hopefully see you next time. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.